Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are ya? It's time for the tech news for Thursday, April 20th, 2023. So... It's 420, and fittingly enough, our first story is one where technology went up in smoke. So first up, SpaceX's Starship launched this morning after scrubbing the previously scheduled launch earlier this week. A frozen valve was the reason behind the earlier cancellation. But today, the world's largest, most powerful launch vehicle in our history of space exploration lifted up off its platform in South Texas to hurtle toward orbit, though it did not actually get there. Because around four minutes after launch, things got spicy. The first stage engines cut off as planned, but the second stage failed to separate from the first stage. And the launch vehicle began spinning, and then there was a burst of flame and an explosion with the vehicle breaking apart in the process. Or, as SpaceX's Twitter feed put it, 
Starship just experienced what we call a rapid, unscheduled disassembly. The SpaceX team stressed that the main goal of this test was to clear the launch tower, you know, to actually get a a launch and a liftoff and to clear the launch tower, which the Starship did. So with that in mind, the test was a success. It's easy to say otherwise because subsequently it then exploded. But it was clearly a disappointment that the spacecraft was unable to deliver the payload into orbit as hoped. Regardless, the launch vehicle has more tests ahead in its future, even if the test had been completely successful. It still would have lots more tests in the future. As to what caused the failure, I'm sure there will be a full accounting of it later. Uh, I saw early speculation that several engines on one side of the first stage cut out early. I've seen other speculation that SpaceX uh, chose to detonate the spacecraft. But as of the time I'm actually recording this, I haven't seen official word. So I'm sure by the time you listen to this, that will have been cleared up. But as I record it, that has not yet happened. Now, we may as well get the other Musk related stories out of the way, because Elon Musk, obviously head of SpaceX, uh, he appeared at an advertising conference yesterday, Wednesday, with a message for the crowd that Twitter is a safe place for advertisers to do business. Also, he doesn't plan to restrict the types of speech that brands may want to try and avoid. So he's saying Twitter's safe, but there's also no guarantee that a brand's messaging won't appear alongside objectionable speech, which probably isn't much of a selling point for many advertisers out there. He also sent the message, don't tell us what to do. <laughs> like He essentially said, don't try and dictate what Twitter should do. That's my job. I'm not really sure if the strategy is going to work. The company has seen some pretty drastic drops in revenue from advertising anyway. Uh, a bunch of the regular customers with advertising on Twitter dropped the platform entirely. A, a lot of others stuck around, but they also reduced their spending on the platform by as much as 80%. Of course, some of that may have nothing to do with Twitter as a platform. The decision might be more due to the overall economic situation, where a lot of companies have reined in marketing expenditures. Meanwhile, Microsoft announced its smart campaigns with multi-platform ad service, which is a way for advertisers to use a tool to uh, plan out their advertising strategy on different platforms. They said that they're actually dropping Twitter starting April 25th. Other platforms will still be available through this, this tool, but Twitter will not. So advertisers who use Microsoft's platform for things like ad strategy and placement are going to have to rely on something else with regard to Twitter. Uh, I'm sure that this will lead to more speculation about if or when Twitter will fold. Uh, I'm not ready to make any kind of prediction like that. I, I'm, I'm not even going to predict that it will fold, let alone when it will fold, because as I look back over all the things that have happened with Twitter since Musk first announced his intent to buy the company, there is no way I could have anticipated all the stuff that followed. So I sure as heck am not going to try and predict the future on this one. In Tesla news, the company issued a Q1 update letter in which Elon Musk announced that collectively the beta program for Tesla's full self-driving service, which I feel I, I need to mention is not really full self-driving, has now logged more than 150 million miles 
And that really is an incredible achievement. You know, I give Tesla a lot of flack, but credit where credit's due. 150 million miles traveled is a lot. Also, with so many miles traveled, Tesla has gathered a truly enormous amount of data that can then be fed back into systems to improve performance. So theoretically, with more miles traveled, the system gets more reliable and safer. You can kind of think of every car that has full self-driving active as being kind of like a student driver, only these students all share the same brain. So as one car learns a lesson, the benefits of that lesson go to the entire fleet of cars. Now, I say theoretically, because there are actually other factors we have to take into consideration. So, for example, Tesla has made changes to the hardware in the construction of their vehicles, such as removing ultrasonic sensors in favor of optical ones. And these hardware changes also affect performance. So it's not just the brains of these vehicles, it's the actual sensors as well. It really doesn't matter how smart your vehicle is if it can't sense an obstacle, for example. Still, it is a legitimately impressive achievement. That being said, Tesla's investors are not so happy with the company right now. Also in that letter was the revelation that the company's gross margins are below 20%. The net income for the company is $2.9 billion. Uh, that's a big old chunk of change. But this time last year, the company's income was $700 million more than that. So it is a drop in year-over-year -year net income. Tesla has cut vehicle prices several times since the start of the year because demand has been low. So in order to try and, you know, uh, stimulate demand, they've cut some prices. And my guess is the tough economy is really playing a part in this. Although another big part is that other car companies are starting to finally make up ground on Tesla, which for years had the advantage of being all in on electric vehicles. And most other car companies were just kind of dipping their toe in the water at the time. Well, that's starting to change now. And now Tesla is facing greater competition in the electric vehicle market. So Musk tried to get ahead of a negative investor reaction. He said, quote, we're taking a view that pushing for higher volumes and a larger fleet is the right choice here versus a lower volume and higher margin, end quote. And honestly, I'm not sure he had much other choice because if not enough people are buying Tesla's right now, after several price cuts, they sure as heck wouldn't be buying cars that were priced even higher. Investors still weren't happy though. And the stock price is down by around six to 7%, six to seven. Uh, as I was working on this episode, it was hovering just under a 7% drop from the day before. Okay. Now it's AI time. Everyone's favorite time of the news and first up is a story I found more than a little upsetting. I mean, like this one genuinely disturbed me. All right. First, let me give some backstory. There's a Formula One racer named Michael Schumacher who was in a terrible accident while skiing, not racing. And this happened a decade ago, back in 2013. He was severely injured in that accident. He received a brain injury in the process. And since then, he's been out of the limelight. His family has stressed the need for privacy. They continue to help uh, him day by day. And that story alone is a very tough one, right? To see someone have that kind of injury. That's just terrible. 
But then we get to something that is really hard to believe. A German weekly magazine called Die Actual was running a supposed interview with Schumacher. Uh, only it wasn't an interview with Schumacher. He, he has not given any interviews since this accident in 2013. Rather, it was an AI agent that had been instructed to respond to questions as if it were Michael Schumacher. So this weekly magazine published a, a quote-unquote interview with an AI chatbot impersonating an athlete who is still coping with the effects of a brain injury. So to call it tasteless and unethical seems to be a gross understatement. And it kind of harkens back to what I was saying earlier this week about concepts like right to identity and right to personality. I mean, imagine if some news outlet there out there ran a supposed interview with you, but it wasn't with you. It was with a chatbot that was told to impersonate you. And then it's presented to people as if it's a legitimate interview. That would be an incredible violation. Schumacher's family are pursuing legal action against the magazine. And y'all, a lot of the concerns around AI may be a little premature, like the worry that AI is going to doom the human race might be a bit of an overreaction as things are right now. But when you see media outlets willing to go to these kinds of links to generate a story, you realize that AI could be dangerous. Sure, it is dangerous in several ways, but human beings can be downright diabolical. Okay, we've got a lot more stories to go to, but first let's take a quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, 
You impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back. Let's talk some more about AI. So Reddit's CEO, Steve Huffman, has a message to AI companies out there. If they want to scrape content from Reddit as part of creating large language models and training AI agents, they're going to have to pay for that privilege. He spoke with the New York Times and said Reddit plans to make an exception in its API, its application programming interface, that if an AI company wants to access this tool, They'll have to pay first. Now, if you're a developer who needs access to that API for something other than training artificial intelligence, good news. No charge for you. You get to use the tool as intended. As for how much AI companies will have to pay to get access, that really hasn't been hashed out yet. Reddit has already served as a treasure trove of human-centric data for companies like Google and OpenAI while they were developing their respective artificial intelligence, large language models. Personally, I like this move by Reddit. I mean, we all know that information has value. Now, if only the Reddit users could get a cut of the action, but that's probably taking things a little too far. In a kind of similar story, Google is leading the charge in petitioning the Australian government to allow AI projects to crawl Australian websites and to be used in Australian uh, implementations. So currently, Australia's copyright laws are potentially a barrier, creating pesky legal restrictions on what Google and other companies like OpenAI would consider to be information that's free for the taking and applications that should be fully open to them. Google framed its request by saying Australia could really be missing out, with one spokesperson stating, quote, the lack of such copyright flexibilities means that investment in and development of AI and machine learning technologies is happening and will continue to happen overseas, end quote. That's according to The Guardian. So Google essentially is saying, hey, if you don't relax those laws, my dude, you're going to have to import all those useful AI tools from somewhere else because ain't no one going to be here to do it in Australia because your laws are whack. Now, I have no clue if Google's approach will be effective, particularly in an environment where there's an increased wariness surrounding AI and its development in the first place. Uh, I think the tide in public opinion on AI is starting to turn sour. Bloomberg has published an article titled Google's Rush to Win in AI Led to Ethical Lapses, Employees Say. 
And the article cites Google staff using language like cringeworthy or calling its AI chatbot a pathological liar. Uh, they were using these words to describe Google Bard while it was still in development before it had been pushed out into a beta program. They said the tool would frequently give unreliable or sometimes outright dangerous information while doing so in an authoritative voice. So it sounds like it knows what's talking about. So one example given in the article is about scuba diving procedures and that supposedly Bard gave answers that would, quote, likely result in serious injury or death, end quote. So that's really not good. This was during the testing phase, as I said, for Bard. And my guess is that Google had planned to keep Bard under wraps and continue to work on it within development for much, much longer. But OpenAI's release of ChatGPT late last year convinced Google's leadership to try the old move fast and break things approach, or else the company would risk getting left behind in the AI chatbot wars. And you know... Google it really hates it if it is not the dominant player in whichever markets it's competing in. It likes to have that comfortable 60 to 90% market share. So the article reads kind of as a warning about AI in general, that this push to create a snazzy tool could result in harmful consequences and that the resources required to make certain that the development and deployment is following really good, strong, ethical guidelines, those just aren't in place or they're being ignored. Google reps told Bloomberg that, quote, responsible AI remains a top priority at the company, end quote. Now, in my opinion, companies across the board have been far too aggressive with these tools. Uh, OpenAI's leadership has even warned media outlets about its own chatbot saying it's not reliable. But by that time, the cat was already out of the artificial bag, and it was too late to issue cautionary messages. Anyway, the Bloomberg article is well worth a read and goes into much greater detail about the conditions that led Google to rush Bard into a beta test, arguably prematurely. Yesterday, Meta held another round of layoffs, one of three batches the company plans to spread out across the next few months, which will ultimately see another 10,000 Meta employees cut. This is after Meta had already cut 11,000 jobs late last year. This time, the layoffs affected engineers and tech teams. And as you might imagine, the cuts have delivered another blow to employee morale at Meta. I mentioned in a previous news episode that some Meta employees have become discouraged over recent months due to several reasons. Uh, first, layoffs are demoralizing. Two, uh, the, the push to return to office has created a hardship on a lot of employees. And C, that hardship doesn't appear to be shared by Meta's top executive leadership because a lot of them seem to be absent from Meta's HQ. Some of them have moved thousands of miles away while still serving as executives, and yet the employees are forced to go in. So yeah, uh, news continues to be rough for the staff of Meta. By the way, if you were a Facebook user with an account any time between May 2007 and December 2022, you can claim your share of a huge class action lawsuit settlement. Now, this has to do with Cambridge Analytica, that scandal that rocked the tech world several years ago, and we still talk about it today. So in case you don't remember that whole kerfuffle, a company that catered to political campaigns, a data analytics company, leveraged a survey app to gather a huge amount of information about Facebook users without their consent. The app was taking advantage of large gaps in Facebook's API, gaps that the company would subsequently close. 
but the damage had already been done. Anyway, there were a lot of legal proceedings that followed in the discovery of this transgression, including this class action lawsuit that I mentioned. And the settlement was for a whopping $725 million, though Meta was let off the hook in a sense because the company didn't actually have to admit any wrongdoing as part of this settlement. But then I think it's kind of hard to say with a straight face, hey, I didn't do anything wrong and no one was hurt. I'm just paying $725 million out of the kindness of my heart. Anyway, the settlement itself is actually old news. The company reached an agreement late last year. The news now is that you Facebook users out there who had an account that was active during those times, you can actually submit a claim and you have until August 25th to do so. If you want to do it online, the website is facebookuserprivacysettlement.com slash hashtag submit dash claim. Finally, mark September 29th, 2023 on your calendars. That's when Netflix will officially stop sending DVDs out by mail. For some of y'all, what I said might actually sound strange, but not that long ago, Netflix's business model was really just renting films out through the mail. You would sign up for the service, you would make a watch list of films and shows you wanted to see, and then based on what was available, Netflix would mail you the DVD. And then you would watch it, and you would put it back in its envelope and drop it off in the mail and wait for your next one. Or if you were like just about everyone I know who had the service, you would do this a couple times, and then on your third DVD, you just have it sit on the coffee table in the little red envelope, unopened and unwatched, and then you would just continue paying for the privilege of giving this DVD a temporary home. Or in fact, you might have ultimately get charged for the DVD because he kept it so ding dang long. But anyway, Netflix's main business was all in this male centric model. The company was founded back in 1997 and it didn't start streaming until 2007. So for a decade and some change, that's just how folks use Netflix. Now we're at the end of an era. And it's funny because I've actually kind of gotten back into buying DVDs and Blu-ray discs. I got tired of titles disappearing off various services, sometimes popping up on other services that I don't subscribe to. So now I'm back to purchasing physical media. I guess I'm just a human being lost in time and lost in space and in meaning. Hope you're all well. That's it for this episode. I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen wolf And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to Brand New on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.